Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. My friends and I went through a martial arts phase. I think a lot of young people go through a martial arts phase. I was pretty casual about this. My friends, on the other hand, were nuts for martial arts movies. And one of the movies that I remember them coming to me very excited about was the movie Jim Cotta. Now, I'll tell you a lot about the plot of the movie later, but just as a summary, it's a movie that combines gymnastics and martial arts, which as an adult makes you smile. But as a kid, this made perfect sense. What could be more natural than combining the athleticism of gymnastics with the deadly power of karate? My one friend, who had a VCR before the rest of us, got a copy of Jim Kata, and we were over his house watching it all the time. And while I enjoyed it, even then I thought, this is a strange movie and kind of a strange concept. Let me just say that it felt like, even to a younger person, the idea of combining very flamboyant gymnastic moves with fighting seemed odd. But I guess if you're good at one thing and you combine it with karate, that'll always make it better, which is why I invented my own martial arts that involved the one thing I was good at, which was running away. I was really good at it. If you'd like to join my dojo, admission is super easy. Whenever you get into a fight, turn around 180 degrees and run the opposite way. If you do that, once you get home, look through your closet, find a black belt, put it around your waist, Congratulations, you are a black belt in the Runkata Dojo. Feel free to teach anyone else these maneuvers. They save lives. On today's show, I'm going to talk to you about the inspiration for my martial arts, Jim Kata. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk a little bit about the music, its reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Jim Kata is a 1985 martial arts film. It was directed by Robert Klaus, and it stars Olympic gymnast Kurt Thomas. Klaus, who was born in 1997, was a director and producer, known mostly for his work in the martial arts genre. Klaus directed two wonderful Bruce Lee films, 1973's Enter the Dragon, and the Bruce Lee movie that was finished posthumously after his death, Game of Death. In addition to action movies, he would also do some TV work, the movie was written by Charles Carner. Carner, who's still out there working today, wrote a bunch of films, maybe because of the popularity of Jim Cotta, this is what he's best known for. But he also wrote the 1986 film, Let's Get Harry, 
which has a lot of good names in it, including Gary Busey and Robert Duvall. And if memory serves me correct, I think I saw that in the theater. The screenplay is based on a book called The Terrible Game by Dan Tyler Moore. The book was released in the mid-50s, so it's very much a Cold War relic. And the good news is if you're interested in it, you can often find it online for sale. Or there's a lot of sources online that have copies. The book is pretty interesting. It's kind of one of those 50s pulpy spy stories, sort of a man's adventure novel. It's kind of interesting to read just because of how different it is from Jim Cotta, but also how of its era it is when we were at the height of anti-Soviet anxiety. And the plot is similar to Jim Cotta, which we'll talk about later. Basically, if you win this very tough game, the ruler of that country will grant you a wish, and that wish will help the United States in its ideological war with the Soviet Union. If you do happen to find a copy of The Terrible Game in a used bookstore, pick it up. It's kind of getting rare, and it does have a reputation because of Jim Cotta, so worth picking up if you see it. Production of the film was primarily in Yugoslavia, so the film does have a sort of exotic look to it, and cinematography on the film was by Godfrey Gadar, who was also the cinematographer on The Game of Death. And while he's only credited with five films as a cinematographer, he worked on camera work for well over 60 films, including Disney's very underrated film Candleshoe. That's right, I like Candleshoe. That should not surprise anyone. Now a little bit about the plot. I don't want to ruin anything, but the film is about Jonathan Cabot, played by Kurt Thomas, the Olympian I mentioned earlier, and he is recruited by the government of the United States to participate in a competition in a fictional country called Parmistan. It is a place where his father, who was also working for the government, disappeared. And it's been a long time since anyone's won this crazy game. If you win the game, the con of the country will grant you whatever you want. And the United States wants to put a Star Wars installation in the country. This plays off the Star Wars anti-nuclear program that was a big push by Ronald Reagan in the 80s, something that would help intercept missiles. So Cabot, who's not a martial artist, but he is a gymnast, gets a couple of months of martial arts training. And it's sort of handled via montage, although not a really good catchy montage with a lot of good music. But in the end, he's able to walk up these stairs on his hands and because of that, he is ready. So now, having created this new martial art that combines karate and gymnastics, he travels over to Parmistan. And with the help of the princess of Parmistan, Princess Rubali, played by Techi Abgayani, he participates in the game, which is supposed to be a fair game, but Commander Zamir, who's trying to overthrow the Khan, decides to interfere and cheat. Meanwhile, the Khan and the princess learn of what's going on, and they decide to take on Zamir. Meanwhile, Cabot's out there finding very convenient fighting areas that have pommel horses and just taking people out. In the end, the good guy wins. Everybody's happy. Now, I can't stress enough how wonderful it is the first time you see this movie, because you just can't believe how convenient they're going to make it for a gymnast to fight people. So, if this is your first time watching this film, just enjoy the fantasy. It is magical. Absolutely magical. I could watch this movie over and over again. It's just that much fun. After these messages, we'll be right back. He's a honeycomb kid. Oh, boy, my favorite big honeycomb. Hey, 
Hey, this little guy's going to eat our big honeycomb. Little guy, watch this. He's a honeycomb. Hey, cat. And now, back to the show. Now, just a little quick rundown of major cast members. You had Kurt Thomas as Jonathan Cabot. Kurt Thomas was an American Olympic gymnast. He was on fire in the late 70s. Leading up to the 1980 Olympic Games, he was favored to win a gold medal. In 1980, the U.S. decided to boycott the Olympics, which were in Moscow. That was a reaction to their invasion of Parmistan, I mean Afghanistan. And even though he was very skilled, he didn't want to wait for the 1984 Olympics, so he went on to become a professional. So he could not compete in the 1984 Games. Now, what's really interesting is that in the 1990s, the Olympics waived the need to be an amateur. And so in 1992, Thomas made a comeback. And as a gymnast, he was pretty old at that point. But he was able to make the 1992 U.S. Men's Gymnastic Olympic Trials. Unfortunately, he didn't do so well, and he didn't make the team. But still, pretty amazing. He's probably best known to non-gymnastic fans, maybe even to gymnastic fans, for his work in Gymkata a film which earned him a Razzie Award nomination for Worst New Star. He would also work as a sports commentator on ESPN and ABC Sports and on the syndicated TV series True Confessions. Techi Abgayani was born Visitacion Parado. She's a Filipino movie and television actress, has worked a lot, especially since 2001, on television. Before that, lots of small roles in films. She's probably best known to American audiences for her work in Gymkata was maybe one of her biggest roles. She also had small roles in films like The Money Pit and Disorderlies, two really fun movies. Finally, Australian martial artist Richard Norton played Zamir, started his work as a bodyguard working for ABBA, John Belushi, Stevie Nicks, The Rolling Stones. He is a ninth Dan in Zendo Kai, and his first film appearance was in the 1980 Chuck Norris film The Octagon. He has quite the filmography. Most recently, he was the fight coordinator for Suicide Squad, and he was the prime imperator in Mad Max Fury Road, on which he was also a fight coordinator and stunt performer. That movie had a lot of good action in it, and I'm sure Norton had something to do with that. If you had gone to theaters in the 1980s before your movie started, maybe you would have seen this. His name, Kurt Thomas. His title, three-time world gymnastics champion. His assignment, a secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. And that's all he needs. Combine the discipline, the timing, and the power of gymnastics with the explosive force of karate. And a new, all-powerful martial art is born. Jim Kata. Kurt Thomas becomes Jonathan Cabot. He must penetrate a mountain fortress to compete in an ancient savage ritual. They call it the game. But nobody wins. And nobody lives. 
until now. When gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion, and a new kind of martial arts superhero is born, Jim Kata. Now that's a winning trailer. The film has an interesting soundtrack. This was credited to Alfie Kabiljo. He's a Croatian composer, musician. He has quite a resume. As composer, I would say to an American audience, maybe Jim Cotta might be the thing that you would recognize him from. But he also has a soundtrack credit from the amazing film Transylvania 65000. This soundtrack was never put out to the best of my knowledge, but... If you go online, some people have published a unpublished soundtrack to the film. You might be able to track it down. Just search Jim Cotta unpublished soundtrack. I think you'll find the film music kind of surprising. The film was released on May 3rd, 1985. That week, it would earn $1.6 million dollars. It would go on to gross $5.7 million. It was an interesting week of releases in the theaters. The two big movies that were released were Code of Silence and Gotcha. But other films that were still in theaters that week, Just One of the Guys, Police Academy 2, Mask, Stick, Beverly Hills Cop, Desperately Seeking Susan, and Lady Hawk. Jim Cotta would come in 10. Right after that, closing out the top 12 was Moving Violations and Witness. It had a pretty good on-screen average, actually higher than Gotcha for that week. I certainly saw a bunch of these in the theater. Lady Hawk, Moving Violations, of course Beverly Hills Cop, Just One of the Guys, Gotcha, and Mask. That's a pretty good list. The film itself was pretty much panned. In his May film column that primarily focused on Gotcha, Gene Siskel said that Jim Cotta made Gotcha look like Citizen Kane by comparison and said that it is screamingly funny at times, not by intention, and that it is so bad that it is dangerously close to being good. After these messages, we'll be right back. Chuck Norris, Karate Commando. Bring it up, hang it down, fight towards the people. Figures sold separately. Location to bed. Assignment recover stolen microchip. Protecting it was Super Ninja. Hi-ya! First, Timo stood up to him. Hi-ya! And was down. Then Reed Smith flew in. Hi-ya! And was grounded. But now it's his karate against mine. Hi-ya! Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, Super Ninja, Reed Smith, Timo, and other figures sold separately. New from Kenner. And now, back to the show. If you've never seen Jim Cotto, it is out on DVD. It's also available on various streaming services. And while I'm telling you all of this, you're probably saying, I, of course, have heard of this film. And you've probably heard of it because it is considered one of the worst films in the 80s by many, not by me. I'm a fan, and I don't think it's as terrible as everybody says, although I do see what Siskel was talking about. It's an odd film, but it's odd in that good way, which makes it pretty easy to make fun of. So whatever gets you to watch Jim Cotta, I'm very happy. Be it you're a fan of martial arts, be it you're a fan of improbably placed gymnastics equipment. If you're looking for a film, one you want to watch with your friends, maybe get a good laugh, maybe enjoy some over-the-top action, 
why don't you pick up Jim Cotta? I think if you go in with an understanding of where this film comes from, you will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. So, if you're still here and listening to this, we are closing in on the end of this season of the Retroist podcast. Just a couple of episodes left. We are going to continue to release podcasts on the site. Vic Sage has the great Diary of an Arcade employee podcast. Also Saturday Frights and maybe a couple of other things. I will be doing more episodes that I'm working on. So if I didn't get to a subject that you wanted to hear, I will do my best to cover it in the next season, which will be ready as soon as I can. So if you have any suggestions, comments, feel free to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to the show. Not only do you need to run, but you need to be able to walk upstairs on your feet as opposed to your hands. You do that, and you're like a 12th degree black belt. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.